0: The zone of genius is a combination of using your genius and having the impact of your purpose, both of those. Now you can have a genius zone moment and you can have a purpose moment of impact and they both feel great. The ultimate is using your genius and then also having the impact of your purpose. Your genius is the thinking or problem solving that you're best at, your purpose Is the impact on the world or on others that's most meaningful to you, but it's connected to your story.
1: Welcome to the Best Self Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf.
2: Me and David have been working together along with our co founder, Nazar, and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago.
1: One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that? Can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably going to contribute more at work.
2: Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers and maximize everyone's potential. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Best Self Management Podcast. My name is Shane Metcalf. I'm here with my co-founder of 15.5, David Hassel, and we're very excited to welcome Laura Garnett as our guest today to talk about all things related to zone of genius. Uh, Laura is an incredible author. She's an incredible coach. She's been working with our executive team around helping us really dive into our zone of genius. It's a real pleasure to have you here today, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here
1: this is uh, particularly exciting for me uh, i was first turned on to the concept of zone of genius under a different name actually about 15 years ago and it was one of these paradigm shifting ideas in the way that it was described to me that changed the way that i looked at myself it changed the way that i looked at life and it's actually had a major influence in our building of 155 so you know having you on on to share more about your view of it having gone so deep with it and And written this fantastic book, the Genius Habit. Uh, super excited to to dig in on on this.
0: Well, I'm really curious though, what was the word that you first learned? What was it
1: called? I learned uh, there was a book that the strategic coach Dan Sullivan put out, and the okay. book was titled "Unique ability." And mm. basically talked about, uh, and it, you know I've trademarked that term, and and I've never actually done the strategic coach program, but I have a, a number of folks in my life who have and rave about it. And it was one of Dan's key strategies for essentially doubling your income while working a good deal less. And he described the uh, unique ability as this intersection between the things we're naturally good at, our talents, and the things we're passionate about. And when you combine those Venn diagrams, you get into the space where the quality of the experience is, you know, you lose track of time, you're more likely to enter flow. It's an area you can continually learn forever. There's no ceiling to growth, and the place where you can actually make the biggest impact. And he also described it as: you know, we're, we're in a society where we're taught from a very early age that we need to, uh, you know, really work on our weaknesses. If you're a, a D student across the board and you have an A plus and one subject, you know, it's probably not going to be a good conversation when you go home. But you take that same person in industry, and they're the rock star in whatever field they're in. And uh, because we're so focused on our weaknesses, we tend not to value our strengths because they come easy and we don't notice they're actually important. Uh, so that was, that was the thesis of that book.
0: Well, it sounds like he and I are uh, brothers from another mother. Then. Yes,
2: that's right. <laughs> so, so Laura, I gotta, I've got to share a story here because this is pretty funny. Please. So you know, we created Maximize Your Zone of Genius as one of the core values of 15.5 over seven years ago. And for about six and a quarter of that time, I was very confused by that value and David was, yes, zone of genius, unique ability. And then it was kind of like, okay, well, crap, what do I do? I don't know what my fricking zone of genius is. And I love you, David, but you weren't that much help in really <laughs> He's a visionary. It. He's not an
0: executor. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, you know, and it's been interesting because I think that value over time has been very inspiring and also very confronting. And it's confused a lot of our own employees because it's like, well, it's, it's, it's a bold thing to claim I have a zone of genius. I am a genius. You know, we're so conditioned to think of genius as the exception and very few people in this world are geniuses. And so I think that right there of naming that everybody does have a zone of genius is a really interesting concept. But what I want to really appreciate you for is the work that you did with our leadership team helping me to actually, for the first time, really understand what my zone of genius actually is. And so I'd love for us to, to share a little bit today and for our, the, the person listening to this of how can we inspire other people to pursue their zone of genius? Can you just maybe start with how you think of zone of genius? You know, David, we heard a little bit of the definition from you around unique ability, but so I'd love to understand how are you thinking about this?
0: Absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for thank you for your kind words about working with your team. It's been amazing. And yes, I actually agree with everything you're saying, Shane. Because the idea of you know that we're all a genius, and I and I talked about this in the book. That's why you know when I observed this and read about it and chose to study it, I used I kept that phrase zone of genius because I couldn't think of anything else that really labeled what it was that I was experiencing, that I saw in myself and what I was seeing in others. But I also loved it because of what you just said, because we, we don't see ourselves as geniuses. And, as our, and our society has kind of worked against this idea that we all have something major to contribute because of that word genius being exclusive to people that are extremely intelligent, like Einstein, And so, but what I've discovered, and when you read, you know, study the science of performance and the science of success, what's very clear is that it has nothing to do with your intelligence. It has a lot more to do with your ability to believe in yourself, build habits, be who you are. And everyone has that capability. Everyone can create the kind of success they want. And so for me, when i discovered this it was liberating because i found this work because i wanted to have the you know great success i wanted to have an impact in the world after i left it that was really meaningful but i couldn't figure out how and so when i went on the path of discovery and found this i was elated and you know as i've been operating in my zone of genius and you know crafting my business around it i've experienced exactly what i help others do which is this infinite feeling of joy, this infinite opportunity for focus and challenge and impact, and then ultimately having a great impact in the world along the way.
2: Can you elucidate the problem of not operating, not actually being connected, not trusting your zone of genius? You know, like if operating in your zone of genius is this kind of infinite joy and this flow state and this impact on the world, what's, what's the alternative? well we've we've been
0: taught to do the opposite that's why no by everyone feels like i'm not a genius this is so hard we it's a capability it's a skill to learn this and we are never taught it so i believe our school system the way that we're educated it prevents people from actually believing and seeing what they're best at you know the whole concept of grades you know you're you get an a in one thing and an f in other and there's an attachment of value to those grades so Children get a sense very quickly based on how they're performing on certain classes that probably don't have any have any use after they leave school on, you know, how good they are and how successful they think yeah, they'll be yeah, in life. Yeah, schooling
2: really screwed my head up around that, I, you know, I was like, oh, I, I'm not smart because there were exactly. classes that were really hard. And it's definitely been a journey to actually unlearn what is untrue about my intelligence
0: absolutely and i think that's the reason why most people struggle with this concept because of that and then you have the, the kids that do well and get great grades but then go out into the working world and then don't you know get the same kind of results in a certain job and then they feel like a failure and kind of crumble under the pressure and also then struggle to really see themselves as valuable so i've seen both sides of that coin in fact i worked with a, a gentleman who had you know multiple ivy league degrees from Harvard, from you know, all of these great schools. And then when he got in a certain job at a bank, he completely failed and then he felt worthless. And it was really hard for him to reconcile. Well, wait, I've, I've been told my whole life that I'm exceptionally smart and I'll be able to do whatever I can, but I'm getting fired. How do you reconcile that? So it goes on both sides. Um, but absolutely, I think it's the conditioning that starts with education that that makes people feel like this isn't possible for them. And it's unfortunate because for a lot of people, they think that being in their zone of genius and actually having a, a, a daily experience of joy at work is a fantasy, which it isn't. You know, this is actually entirely realistic and possible. And that's really what the genius habit is all about, which is why I commit, I've committed, you know, 11 years of my life and for the rest of my life to this work because it is a process, it is a skill. You can learn it. And I've made it my job to kind of figure out, you know, provide those guardrails and the rules and the habits so that anyone who's willing to do the work and committed and disciplined can you know, have the kind of results that they want.
1: It's interesting that you say it's a skill. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are some of the things that... Um, why doesn't everyone just walk around knowing this? Why is it counterintuitive? And, and what, are the, what are like the top barriers that keep people from just discovering it on their own?
0: Well, I think it's really similar to anything. You know, why is everyone not a, you know, super fit person?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, to me, operating your zone of genius is very similar to the, the concept of being fit or healthy. Because we're not really taught, this is another thing that is, you know, kind of unfortunate. Um, but we're not taught what's healthy. We're not taught how to eat well. In fact, school systems usually feed people with the bad food. So in order to be healthy or start a workout program, you have to do a little bit of research. You have to learn something. And then you have to create a program and you have to then follow it rigorously. Operating in your zone of genius is exactly the same thing. So the research and the data gathering is really, you know, knowing yourself. And, you know, the process that I've laid out, it's an internal it's researching and learning who you are is a process of digging and answering questions and being thoughtful and being willing to be reflective. And then, you know, creating a habit that allows you to really, you know, check in with yourself and say, am I in my zone of genius? Am I challenged? Am I fulfilled? If I'm not, why not? And then, you know, be proactive about creating the opportunities that allow that or ejecting yourself out of the opportunities that don't allow yourself to be in that. And you know, honestly, I think the not ejecting or pivoting or leaving jobs that aren't a great fit is probably one of the biggest reasons most people in the corporate world today are not happy at work.
2: And it's kind of ironic because operating in our zone of genius is really aligning with who we really are. Yes. it's It's trusting the truth of our being and the truth of our gifts. And it's funny because... I say it's ironic because it takes so much freaking work to come into that alignment. I think largely because you know through conditioning we've been taught we we've really been shaped out of alignment with our essence, and so the effort to come back into alignment with who we really are, to trust our gifts, and then the ongoing work to actually remain in alignment—that it's uh, simultaneously the most natural thing for us to do yes. because it's actually who we are. Well, simultaneously, it really requires a lot of effort.
0: Well, my hope is that with younger generations, so I think, again, similar to why most people don't believe they have a zone of genius or are, have a genius, um, I think this idea of knowing who you are being difficult is going to shift as parenting also becomes better. Mm. And I think younger generations with you know a more evolved kind of parenting are going to grow up. Actually, having who they are cultivated and encouraged, that process for them in that journey um, will not be as difficult. And I think that's my hope for the evolution of our society. I know for my daughter, knowing who she is is not going to be challenging because that's the whole purpose of my parenting.
1: Yeah. Efforts. Is, is there part of this also that we, you know, as a society and certainly in schooling, we put more attention on intellectual intelligence and, and not necessarily on other forms of intelligence? Is that something that you... Yeah, you, you know, is? and
0: it, this is absolutely... And, and I think, you know, I wish I could dive into the educational problem. I think it's so complex and I understand the reason for grades and the reason that schools have to measure one student against the next. That's how they they prove that they are worth getting funding from the government or prove how much money they're going to get. There's a whole system in place
2: yeah.
0: um, that creates the need for that categorization and until we're ready to completely shift our society, it's probably not going to go away. And that's not going to go away for a while. But what can shift, I think, sooner is this, you know, the, the parenting and the confidence building that can happen in parallel to that categorization. So if a kid gets an F and the parent says, fabulous, that means F stands for fabulous. That means you're not good at that. <laughs> and let's try something else and try to get you in courses that are, more aligned with who you are, or at least understand that this F doesn't mean you're a failure. Right. It means that you're not good at this one thing, um, and that that can be actually fabulous information.
2: Mm. Okay, so so given that you know we're not yet in the business of child labor, you know we're not really hiring children where we can help shape and influence from that very beginning we're hiring adults and you know, most of the listeners of this podcast are hiring adults, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, you know, and we're already all pretty screwed up by the time we come out of our schooling. And so we're hiring people who are not necessarily aware of their zone of genius. What's the responsibility and what's the opportunity of a modern company to help people come back into alignment with their natural gifts?
0: Well, I actually think it's an individual responsibility. So I think it's fantastic that an organization makes it one of their values because I think without that value being there, without that message from the leadership that this is important, that knowing who you are and operating in your zone of genius is essential. Um I don't think individuals, well, you know, at this moment in time they're not necessarily going to take that step. However, the process of understanding who you are knowing your zone of genius, operating in it. It's a personal process. It's something that someone has to own for themselves. So I think that, you know, from an organizational standpoint, you guys, you know, you all are doing a great job. You're saying this is a core value. Um, You can support individuals in giving them the information and tools to take the step, to take that proactive step on their own. And if they're struggling, get them support. Like what I think, you know, you've supported me doing with some of your people. I think that is as much as you can do as an organization.
1: Yeah. And I feel part of that is is, you know, because so few people know about this that this is even a possibility. I think part of our responsibility and opportunity is to let people know. And I think that was that was the intention of of crafting our original value, maximize our zone of genius, even though I don't think we ever had good ways of helping our people identify what that was. I you know, I I I certainly intuitively knew. Like with you, Shane, it was clear there were areas that were clearly your zone of genius, and it
2: would be interesting and, to actually And the areas about. that weren't, <laughs> and clearly areas that were.
1: <laughs> and that's the case for
2: everyone. Yes. That's the yeah. case
0: for everyone. Again, it's well, fabulous. It, well, and I think
2: that it's you know it, it, it's such a kind of one of the beauties of growing up is actually relaxing into the acceptance of the weaknesses and not feeling like oh my god I have weaknesses and therefore I'm a flawed human being and I, I have to feel horrible about myself.
1: I, I was actually having the exact same uh, thought recently about, you know, just embracing all the areas. I just suck, <laughs> and that's okay because that means that I can get help in those areas, and I don't have to keep struggling, right? And I can just focus on those areas that, uh, you know, where I can add the most value. I'd actually like to talk, Shane, about your journey from our VP of Customer Success to Chief Culture Officer. Because I mm. feel like you made a massive shift in your own zone of genius. Like there were certainly elements as VP of Customer Success and co-founder that you were you were already a- acting as Chief Culture Officer in certain areas, but not fully. And I feel like this was actually a, this is a major shift that was aligned to the zone of genius. And I think there was also some, you know, I'd love you to share your experience about some of the concern or struggle in making that shift and making that leap. And then we could talk about what it looks like on the other side.
2: Yeah, well well it is, you know, really interesting because I would say that there's always been the the kind of golden thread of my genius and that I've always been able to find a lot of juice in and it's always led me to pretty incredible experiences and I certainly brought that to bear in the beginning of 155 and it was a really fulfilling part of my role. And then as the years went by and i started to get clear of oh right i don't really want to be running customer success and then the light bulb going on that holy shit, i could actually there's an opportunity to more fully express my genius and that it was okay to let go of the part that i didn't actually want to run anymore right and that that itself is a really you know it's i think it's mostly ego it's like oh god well Uh, What if I'm not having as direct an impact on the revenue of the company and will I actually be contributing real value? And so I think that the process of uncovering my own resistance to it, my own fear about it, and then ultimately letting go and taking the leap of faith and then creating external alignment to reflect my genius, to reflect my gifts, and to have that manifest in a title change, in a shifting of responsibilities... And, you know, it's, it's been really fun because it does feel like I'm in the right role. If you have really bad posture and your neck's out of place and it kind of hurts and there's this kind of constant discomfort and dis-ease in the system. And then, you know, you go to a chiropractor and you get put back into place and it's like, oh, this is what alignment feels like mm. is, is my experience of what Zona Genius feels like.
0: You said something that I really just want to highlight, because I think this will be really helpful to your listeners. You said that little voice in your head was, "Will this be connected to revenue?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'd be responsible for bringing in a lot of revenue. I think a lot of people make career decisions based on that because it, again, this goes back to the societal conditioning. Oh, whoever brings in the most revenue, is the most important and, that, and the most powerful because our, you know, money is what drives power in our society. Those are the kinds of messages that remove, take people away from themselves. And sometimes they will justify being away from themselves because of money and power and revenue for their whole career. So the fact that you heard that and then switched it around is really important and, you know, an important aspect for everyone to hear because that's something that's essential
2: it's really cool because i think that we're understanding oh actually if you get culture right you know it's estimated between 2 to 3x your revenue you know you will you will make a lot more money if you actually get some of the the foundational principles and and capitalism i think as a whole is slowly but surely starting to evolve to expand its idea of profit you know the definition of profit and you know it seems like that's like what you just pointed to—that it's only people who are directly making money—is part of what's kind of screwed us all up in the head.
0: Yeah, because if you're in your zone of genius and you're spreading joy and inspiring everyone in fifteen five, and say you're generating no revenue, that's a win too, in terms of the bigger outcome. Because you could be—here's the thing—you could be affecting the the company's trajectory in ways that you can't even measure because of the fact that you're so you're inspiring everyone by how you're being, that that in itself doesn't need a dollar sign in order to be valuable. And yet that's how we often value positions and people.
1: Right. I want to highlight the you know some of the, the resistance at the outset. I remember, Shane, when you first brought this to me, you floated the idea, but you were like, yeah, maybe we could do this in like a year, year and a half. And like I think that was indicative of, of both maybe the fear and the resistance and maybe not feeling like you could fully ask for the change. And I reflect back and, and think about what a massive opportunity cost it would have been if I had said, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Let's wait a year and a half. Because this year alone, we've grown from 70 to almost 190 people. And we now have 80 glass door reviews, all five stars. We just had the highest engagement score you've ever had in the history of the company amidst insane, chaotic, massive growth. Uh, and actually, wasn't as chaotic as you would think, given the, the scale. And I attribute a lot of that to Shane, you stepping into that role over a year ago.
0: Oh my gosh, this is such a great example. I have to point out something there too. <laughs> because this is, again, why people don't do what... This story is a perfect story. So Shane, you said, this is what I want to do. And you pushed for it. And David, you just said, you would have maybe gone for another two years without it or whatever. But Shane was proactive and it happened. So this is another thing that I see people doing is that they wait until they're told or they wait until someone says, gives them the push rather than pushing themselves if it feels right because they know it's good for the organization. And oftentimes, you know, he, Shane, you were thinking more about it than you were, David.
2: And it's interesting because it, there, I was pushing and I also got pushed. Yes. you know there was mm-hmm. encouragement from David you know I want to I want to appreciate Brad McGinnity who also was planting the seeds of hey I could I could run customer success you don't need to keep running it if you don't want to I was like, wait really and David's like, yeah go go and then there was a moment of epiphany which was I am so freaking done running customer success and I'm approaching burnout and I don't have to wait a year. I can actually go after my ideal life right now. And, you know, of course, there was a lot of conditions that needed to be ripe for that. But I think that we often have a lot of limiting thinking. Like I was operating in a limited thinking that I couldn't actually take bold action and get into the right role. And, you know, I mean, it's complex because sometimes we need to master the role that's in front of us you know you sometimes you need to you know come in as an SDR inside of a company and crush it as an SDR and prove your competence before you can then have some of the social capital to direct your own destiny in a different direction
0: absolutely but i think what's important in that scenario is that at least your Taking on the responsibility of managing your energy and yourself and how you're feeling and how, you know, how far from yourself or your zone of genius are you, how close to it are you, if you're really far from it, then you're actually not serving the organization by staying in that, even if it's, you know, for a year or two to get to the next position, that has to be an individual decision. But oftentimes, once again, it's made from what people are telling them to do or what seems like the right thing to do or fear that there's nothing else outside of the organization or fear that the company will be upset if they leave. You know, there's all of these other things that are going on rather than just really being connected to what's right and communicating that and being clear. And I think, well, when,
2: and I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love this message that it's actually the individual's 100% responsibility to pursue, discover, and live in their zone of genius, because I think we often think of, oh, well, you know, it's HR's, it's people ops responsibility, or it's the company's responsibility, or it was, you know, it's my mom's fault that I'm not in my zone of genius. And that well, it's that might actually... Well, that be the case, but that's okay. There, there bl- can be simultaneous truths. right? And so, you know, what's, how do you get somebody if they don't have that fire burning inside of them already but they are suffering they don't feel like they're actually contributing their gifts they don't feel they they ever experience flow states or joy at work you know where does somebody begin this yeah. journey
0: you know, and, and I think, you know, what you're saying too replies to managers. It's a ridiculous idea to think that a manager can help someone else or their direct report identify their zone of genius. A manager can help give them tools, they can support them, and they can create access to to people like me, but they can't do this themselves. This is, you know, something that requires a lot of time and, and dedication. However, for the person that is really lost, uh, that, you know, once again, it's really up to them. I think uh, the same thing applies. You can say, what do you need? What do you need in order to take the next step forward? For someone that is that disengaged and that lost, it really may not be the right place for them. And to me, you know, it's kind of like the way I said, getting an F is fabulous. I think getting fired is fabulous as well. Um, And we are scared of, yeah, we're scared of this idea that you have to let someone go because it's just not right. And again, individuals, for whatever reason, are fearful of leaving, or I don't know who I am and I'm scared, please don't fire me. Um, But actually getting fired can be the best gift you can give to someone who's really struggling because that will force them to reconcile and figure out what's going on. Um, And I don't think that that is a bad thing. I think it can be a a great gift. Ultimately, you know, what I help people do is be able to fire themselves before they get to the, exactly. You you get to the point where an organization has to kick you out because that's really expensive. It's really, you know, inefficient and it's a much better process if you can say, Hey, this isn't right. We're going to part ways and everyone can be friends. Yeah, and and doing it, it's kind of like you know how Seinfeld ended on a good note. You want to you want to leave on a good note, and it's much better if the person can identify that need to leave first.
1: Yeah, I want to sum up a little bit. You know, I, I I think that you know this concept I think is a, a potential massive win win for employers and employees because you know putting on the employer hat, you know the co- company founder CEO. When I know that we've got our people who are connected to the areas they're uniquely qualified and gifted to do and that give them a lot of energy and passion, which I think is the, you know, I heard this one model where you talk about, you know, the zone of incompetence, zone of competence, zone of excellence, and zone of genius. And that, you know, for an outside observer might not be able to distinguish the difference between excellence and genius unless they're kind of trained. But the subjective internal experience of someone who's just in their zone of excellence, which is kind of has the skills, but doesn't have the energy and passion, that can lead to that burnout. Um, And and the potential upside of someone who's orienting around the zone of genius is really tremendous performance. And they have fulfillment in the process. So it's a real win-win. The company gains and this person's excited and engaged, probably doing the best work of their lives. And... uh, it sounds like there's a pattern of people either a not knowing that this is possible like they they don't even know the idea or they kind of think you know maybe they understand it but they don't really have a clear picture of the promised land on the other end and maybe they're just fearful and want to stick with what they know and stay in their zone of excellence cuz that's where they're making money and they're afraid to let go.
0: Absolutely. And
1: ultimately I think whether it's a firing or a quitting having that courage to do that I think there's a major opportunity cost on the table of not getting people over that hump sooner. So that's really? kind of what I'm what I'm hearing from this conversation thus far. Uh, what I'd like to ask you is, I think you you have a unique angle on this, where you have any time I've ever heard of this concept, whether it's zone of genius or unique ability, it's all about in the discovery process. But your book is specifically titled the Genius Habit, which is yeah. which is a shift. It's not just about knowing what it is, but actually bringing it in. Uh, Building a habit around it. I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, what's the what's what are you seeing around that? And why did you title the book that? Yes,
0: because um, once you're able to identify your zone of genius, it's kind of like it's kind of like you get the car, you've got a car, but you've got to learn how to drive it, and you you've got to learn how to keep it on the road and not drive it off or get in a wreck. And being who you are and operating in your zone of genius is the same thing. And that's why I like, you know, I call it a habit because it is a habit. It's a habit of continually checking in with yourself and observing how far in or out of the zone you are and why, and proactively looking for the opportunities that are going to take you further and further in the zone. You know, I've been doing this work for 11 years and, you know, the tracker, the performance tracker that I developed, you know, I... It's kind of like a Fitbit for your work performance. I've been filling out the tracker for six, since I developed it, I think it's six years ago. And it isn't, an, it, it, I love filling it out. Without that, I have, even though I know my zone of genius really well, without that weekly reflection and filling out and answering those questions, I would have no idea if I'm really maximizing my potential in that or not. And we, we don't remember things. You usually don't remember past last week or even maybe four days ago. And so if you're really committed to peak performance, if you're really committed to maximizing your potential and always feeling inspired and always bringing the best of what you have to offer, then you have to make it a habit. You have to be able to actively make sure you're using it and and, and looking for when you're not. And again, the whole process of finding another job or looking for a different job like what Shane did, all of that is Requires awareness first, so you know that's what I also saw was missing in the industry when I went through this crisis. Which there was a lot of tests you could take that would tell you what you thought your your top strengths were. Or this is what your personality type is, um, but then people would kind of get you know you'd have all this information, but nothing would change, and that's because the habits weren't there.
2: You know, Laura, the in our work we came up with my zone of genius of naming it as possibility architect.
0: Yeah, which I love. there's more to
2: it than that. Yeah, I, I yeah. really love that as well. And it's been a really useful frame because all I have to do is think, am I architecting possibilities right now? Mm. Is the activities that I'm engaging in on this day creating more possibility for myself, for my colleagues, for my company, for my clients. And it's been really useful because I I tap in when I am creating possibility, I'm energized and inspired and I get lit up. So, you can
0: take that a step further by asking yourself, though, by dissecting those actual zone moments where you're using your possibility architect genius, dissecting them every week. You will then look at what are the parts of building possibility that are really firing you up and which aren't. Because over time, what you want to do is to be able to create the opportunities that are continually pushing your comfort zone and pushing that top skill, because ultimately you want to be the best possibility architect in the world, and you will be. But you can actually manage, you can, this is what I love about this work, is that I can observe myself getting better in my zone of genius. I am better at seeing patterns in data because I'm always looking to create environments or situations that are going to push me to the next level. So even if you're asking, am I building possibility, you're going to say yes or no, I'm in the zone, but if you go even further in that and dissect it and then spend five or ten minutes thinking about how you can create even more, you know, even more challenging possibility opportunities, you can take it to the next step even faster.
2: If only we had a tool for weekly <laughs> reflection.
0: If only <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well well, you know, it actually It makes does me require think discipline.
0: That, it does require discipline. Yeah, look, yeah, look this is like this is why I love using the workout analogy. You know, it's really easy and fun to say I wanna be super fit and it's really hard to say I'm gonna run a marathon. But if you show up and you train every day, it happens. And you know, look, not everyone has the appetite for maxim you know, operating and maximizing their potential all the time. I am the first one. I mean, I know myself well. I'm willing to admit that I'm I'm hyper into this stuff. I always want to be maximizing my potential. I have thrilled to live to 180 and see how far I can go with it. Not everyone has as much ambition or drive as that. But, you know, what I found was with the genius habit and with the tracker, for those that do and have the desire to really bring their A game on a weekly basis continually, then that's, here's a process to do that.
1: What are some of those key questions? I'm curious.
0: Oh, well, well, the first one is, you know, how many times were you in the zone this week? And, you know, Mm. this is specific to your genius. So again, the genius is the thinking or problem solving that you're best at. So how often were you intellectually in the zone this past week? What caused those moments to happen? And so even though you know Possibility Architect is your genius, you can then think, well, what was it that created it this week? And you start to see the pattern of your genius process, but you also are empowering yourself to go out and create other scenarios that are going to take that possibility architect to the next level. Because in the end of it, it's like, how can you, um, and then at the bottom of the tracker, there's a, a place of notes of how can you take what you just learned from filling this out and create more optimal moments for next week? Mm, um, that's so great. that's one. And the other one I think is is absolutely essential, and very few people pause to answer this is what's what's the impact that you had this past week? That's related mm. to your purpose. And you know, you really think about it. And I will sometimes I have to, you know, I look back in my calendar and I think of all my meetings and I think, did I make those people that I interacted with this past week see themselves for who they are? If I did, I'm on purpose. And even just having that reflection feel I feel it again, I feel fulfilled again. But it, it helps you think again, well, wait, I had a couple meetings this week where I didn't have that impact. Why is that? Oh, well, you know, my daughter was up four times. I was exhausted. I just was not, my head wasn't in the game. Or what's even more common when I fill it out is that that person doesn't want to see themselves for who they are. Okay, let's. that's not really that energizing of a conversation or the best place for me to be. How can I avoid, not necessarily that person, but those situations that really aren't allowing me to be who I am. I mean, to me, that's, I think, what's most important about this process is that without without focus, you will find yourself falling into situations that aren't right for yourself because our default is to listen to the societal programming. Your default will to think, if I'm not generating revenue, I'm not valuable. You really have to kind of reflect in order to keep that new muscle building.
2: What would an organization... Where everyone was operating out of their their genius habit. Mm. what would that look like?
0: Oh I love that idea. I mean I just think it would be you know to me and it doesn't even feel like um, a Dr. Seuss you know story. it doesn't feel like a fantasy it just feels very mature. It feels very um, I think people would all be loving what they do and really receptive. Um, to people being honest about who they are and leaving or going or staying or reprioritizing. To me, this is all about having new conversations where the fear is eliminated. Again, what we talked about before, where it's, you know, you can have... How much more efficient as a team, if you're like, this is not what I'm good at, who is? How can we reprioritize their work to be better aligned with what we're great at? I just think an organization where everyone is in their zone of genius just operates... Much more efficiently, is achieving things they can't even imagine, and is an absolute joy to be at.
2: Yeah, there'd probably be a little bit of a financial upside to that organization.
0: Absolutely. And I think it would be such a magnet for people to go to. I mean, that's what to me is, which makes this stuff so not fantasy or so not squishy, is that we all know what it's like to be around people that are just confident, inspired, full of joy. It's fun. It's really fun. And, you know, I think we think that's really, you know, that's for the Oprah Winfrey's or the Richard Branson's. And um, I think there's, again, this is available to everyone. And um, it's just just so much fun.
2: Well, and I think another really cool thing that's happening is that this also used to be, I think, more reserved for the idea of the high potentials or the executive team. And, you know, everyone else... You know, do your freaking job. And <laughs> that we're starting to get that this is this is not only possible, but it's the right thing to do to help everyone in an organization start to become aware of their zone of genius, be honest with themselves. You know, and I think that's like so much of, I love what you said around people being honest with themselves uh, and each other. Because so much of that then starts to come back into alignment when we just start telling the truth. But that everybody in an organization can actually participate in this process.
0: Absolutely. I think it's really important for individual contributors. I mean, that's what they do. And I also, I I do think there's a place, Shane, to what you mentioned before. Sometimes you can't be in your zone of genius. Sometimes you're going to be in a job that's not a perfect fit. And you know what? if you have some aspects of it that are, or at least the people you work with, you know, are providing the environment that allows you to ultimately get there, that that is so much better than what we have today, Um, which is more often the case of hiding the fact that you're not right or it's horrible or pretending to like something, secretly looking for another job. You know, I think that if you can say, be honest about what you're at, we can help you if we can, know who you are, use this opportunity to learn More about yourself and be clear about what is right and what isn't right for the next step. Um, I think that's absolutely powerful as well. Yeah, I
1: I think that. uh, I think having the right frame of mind can help with that honesty because you know it takes some courage. I mean, there's there's definitely um, I'm sure a lot of fear for a lot of people in admitting, hey, I'm not good at this or this thing. I'm not. This doesn't light me up or fulfill me or give me energy. Uh, You know, this can be risky things to share. Uh, especially if you don't know that well that's actually the way it's supposed to be right i think if you have this context the zone genius uh, and knowing that there are areas where you can lean in and do incredible work that will be fulfilling and energizing in the process that can help people have that courage to tell the truth um, Yes. You know, and ha- you know it's yeah so
0: which is also why in the genius habit and the performance tracker there's a you know there's a couple questions about confidence building i think building your confidence is critical in the process of of being who you are and operating in your zone of genius because of all of the fear and you know the wiring that we have. You have to actively build your confidence muscle as well, right? Um, in order to be able to be who you are and to proactively go after the opportunities that are right.
2: I got to ask you. So I shared my zone of genius, possibility architect. Yeah. Um, Laura, would David care to uh, share yours?
1: Yeah. Well, Laura helped me with this, and uh, you know, in going through a number of things. I mean, gosh, that process was amazing that you guided us through. And I think a lot of it's outlined in the book. Correct?
2: Yes. Oh, yes. That was the book. uh,
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. That was the book. (laughs) And uh, and, not not
2: a small exercise. Not a small
1: exercise. But (laughs) but really, who you are? Yeah. And and then your genius coming to the fore of of you know really seeing the patterns and uh, where we got to is visionary influencer. And I think that there's a famous book called Traction that talks about what they call the entrepreneurial operating system. It's a structure for businesses. And one of the key premises in there is that you know most businesses need both a visionary and an integrator. And Ooh. it's rare that people can span both. Uh, I have managed to become good enough as an integrator to, to do both of those roles. But, but I think you've really helped me see that where I add the most value is more on that visionary side. Uh, and then to to be open to getting more support on you know the integrator side of the business and more of the operational duties. So that was great. By the way, if you believe in what we're doing here and you want to help us spread this movement, we really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes or on Google Play. It's going to help us uh, get more visibility for the podcast and grow the movement.
0: Yeah, so my genius is an insight excavator. I think I've shared that with you all before. But- yes really and then that's about seeing patterns in data either in actual data or in people's answers to my questions and then drawing insights and then creating action from those insights and that's and my purpose is helping people see themselves for who they are and that's connected to my core emotional challenge of not being seen for who I was when I was growing up mm-hmm. so those two pieces combined are really the secret sauce for me
2: okay so we're running out of time here but i could you just break down genius Zone of genius, purpose, and mm. core emotional challenge. Yes. Just because okay. you, you alluded you alluded to those, and I think it'd be really helpful for people to understand yes. that it's more than just a, my zone of genius. There's, there's actually a broader ecosystem, and that the genius is kind of the pearl that we offer to the world, but it's supported by other uh, foundational pieces.
0: Yeah. So I took the phrase zone of genius, and I created... a my own definition and methodology for it, for the sole purpose of people actually seeing this in themselves and building it. So the zone of genius is a combination of using your genius and having the impact of your purpose, both of those. Now you can have a genius zone moment and you can have a purpose moment of impact and they both feel great. But ultimately, you know, the ultimate is using your genius and then also having the impact of your purpose your genius is the thinking or problem solving that you're best at. And it's in your head. It's an intellectual thing, challenge. It's around challenge. Your purpose is connected to, it's the impact on the world or on others that's most meaningful to you, but it's connected to something, to your story. What I've found is that it's connected to your core emotional challenge. And your core emotional challenge, we all have a lot of baggage from our past, but most everyone that I've that, that I've found has one central core emotional challenge. It's really been a theme of struggle of their lives. If you can identify that, then you turn it around and you help others with that same struggle. You'll tap into this this feeling of being endless, you'll have endless energy for having that impact. Endless. That's really the the framework.
2: Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Such a fascinating conversation. <laughs> Where can people learn more about your
0: work? Yes. So you can go to LauraGarnett.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. I send out, you know, free information every two weeks. But go to LauraGarnett.com. And then also there's the tab for the genius habit if you want to check out the book.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been this has been fantastic. And awesome. so grateful for all of your support and help on, on our team.
2: Well, I'm very grateful for you all as well. And, and just Thank one you. one final note I love also about how then geniuses intersect and how thinking about, okay, you know, me as a possibility architect co-founding a company with a visionary influencer and then creating these influential visions and possibilities for the rest of the world and of how fun it is to then get to play and, you know, understanding each other and the way that can actually increase our relational intelligence, because we can help each other maximize our zones of genius.
0: Absolutely.
2: All right. Thanks again, Laura.
0: Yay. Thank you all. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun.
1: A big thank you to our producer, counter Creative, and our executive producer, David Misnay, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Please visit 155.com slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five. For more information on today's discussion, for additional resources and special offers.
2: One of the easiest and highest leverage things you can do to support us in this podcast is write a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play. It really does go a long way in terms of getting the word out and more people can hear this message so that we can start a movement and truly get more and more businesses out there helping their people become their best selves.
1: To get all the latest episodes, please subscribe to Best Self Management on iTunes or Google Play. And if you have a question or comment you'd like us to address in a future show, please email us at podcast at five dot com.
2: And finally, thank you for listening to this podcast. Until next time, know that we support you in being and becoming your best self.